NFL Draft is over. The 2018 NFL Draft is in the books, and we are about to recap it all with some winners and losers. I am Will Brinson, your host of the Pick 6 Podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening throughout the weekend. We will continue mercilessly into the new week uh, daily, Monday through Friday. You can subscribe, rate, and review. 30 minutes will be closer to 30 minutes. This show, post-draft show, probably be closer to uh, 40 minutes because we like to ramble on. John Breach and Ryan Wilson joining me. But before we get to them, I would like to remind you that if you go and download the Draft app, go to your app store and search for the Draft app or go to draft.com, make a deposit, enter promo code PICK6, P-I-C-K space S-I-X, and you're going to get a free credit to play a best ball game. And we are going to fire up a best ball league on Monday that will include rookies from the NFL draft. Saquon Barkley, you want to draft him? He's fair game. You want to draft Ronald Jones? Fair game. You want to draft Jalen Samuels, the Steelers' new running back? Fair game. We're going to include all those rookies. You don't have to worry about setting your lineups. No waivers. No nothing. You, have, you draft the best possible team, and then at the end of the year, you're going to get paid if your team is good, and you'll get to brag about beating me in a best ball league. What did you think, Ryan Wilson, about Jalen Samuels, since that was the only segue that I had out of an ad read? I'll tell you exactly what I thought of Jalen Samuels. Uh, I just uh, turned in to be published uh, soon on the website on, on um, Saturday night the uh, best pick for each team, and that doesn't necessarily mean the first-round pick because that would be sort of boring. And I went with Jalen Samuel for the Steelers, the fifth-rounder. Samuels. But you know much better than I know because I honestly had no idea uh, who he was, and I saw the that the Steelers had drafted the fullback, and I just sort of threw up my hands. But it turns out uh, our buddy Pete Prisco has compared him to uh, Delaney Walker. That may be sort of a stretch. Um, I think your boy Samuel's five uh, eleven, so he's not quite uh, Delaney's size. But if, if he's sort of the versatile do it all H back slash halfback slash sort of slot guy, um, you know, I'm all in. It sounds like a heavy set um, Antoine Randall. It's uh, that's actually a better comparison, I think, than Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker's. I might even go so far as to say that's a terrible comparison for Pete Prisco. <laughs> uh, Jalen Samuels had a ton of rushing attempts. They use him a lot in jet sweep formations in, in the in NC State's offense. One of seven NC State guys drafted. I would say that if we're doing winners and losers, that NC State football is a winner. That's a program record. NC State football players are winners. NC State football program is a huge loser. Don't you dare do that. Ryan's a Carolina fan. He's got a big Dean Smith thing on the behind his wall. Uh, NC State, seven guys drafted in the 2018 NFL draft. Only two of them, uh, Naheem Hines and Catavia Street, were, were big, bigger than three stars. Bradley Chubb, fifth overall. And uh, Jalen Samuels, one of the guys who went there. Samuels actually broke Torrey Holt's record for receptions by an NC State player. Pretty impressive stuff. Um, Ryan, pretty, pretty surprised you didn't mention you had a radio show with Tori Holt, to be honest with you. I, I did once have a radio show with Tori Holt. We're, we're pals. Uh, By the way, before we go on, I want to ask John something, because I know he listened to the podcast last night, and people who, who listen may wonder what the swishing sound was. <laughs> that sort of came out of nowhere in the middle of the conversation uh, about the second-day picks. So, John, do you have any idea, and, and I will point to the culprit as to who was responsible, was Christopher Passo. It sounded like a, a cold wind had blown through his hotel room, um, but we weren't sure what it was. It sounded like he was here. chasing a raccoon through a, through a bunch of bushes outside of his hotel. Right. While we're in a puffy jacket. Or, or, an, arm so, uh, or an armadillo. Uh, well, I, I assumed he was beating someone with his CBS microphone. <laughs> uh, you know, I was looking for the police reports in Dallas, but there was no arrest stuff, so then I guess that guess is out the window and incorrect. 
It is. Tell him breach. Uh, Brenton, what, what exactly our buddy was doing <laughs> during the middle of the podcast. Right now, Trapasso. I actually almost did, I almost accidentally recorded the post show conversation and left it in. Uh, he was taking off his suit in the middle of the show. Um, and we're, we're like, all right, cool. Uh, he, so it was actually pretty close to Ryan made the Costanza reference, the swishing pants. It was kind of close. I will point out now that John still drinking coffee. You've been, you've been sober since your honeymoon. I don't know what the hell you're thinking. Ryan. Yeah. What's, what's that about? Ryan for those, for the beer nerds out there, Ryan is drinking sip of sunshine. Are you kidding me? What a, what a waste. Hi, hi, I'm a Bud Light lime guy and this is all I had in the fridge. I, I am drinking a uh, vacation chasing, vacation chasing milkshake IPA from uh, Wilmington. That sounds terrible. Well, since we're, since we're pushing beers here, uh, I have a Ryan Geist from Cincinnati in my refrigerator Ooh. that I will drink as soon as this podcast is over. But until then, I'm sipping on my coffee and keeping my post honeymoon soberness going for about another What's 40 minutes. Well, let's, let's, mean, let's get, let's get moving. We got, so we got stuff to talk about. Yeah. So much. You drink so much in your honeymoon. You got to stop at some point. All right, sure. Little, little, little sobering out after the honeymoon. Right. You do really do just drink. All you do. I, mean, I know it was 40 years ago for you, Ryan, but you drink a lot of your honeymoon. <laughs> Uh, currently, we mentioned the Steelers. You're wearing a Steelers poofball hat. Would the Steelers be classified as a winner for you, Ryan Wilson? Absolutely. And it starts and ends with uh, Jalen Samuel, I think. Uh, that's not true. I think that that was sort of a surprise pick. Didn't see coming. Liked it. But here's the thing. People were went crazy. And this is one of my one of the, <laughs> one of my uh, one of the things that cranks my gears. If we're going to do a Seth MacFarlane uh, like draft Twitter is out of control. Uh, I saw our buddy Tom Zilla from our AOL fan house days complain recently uh, about sort of NBA playoff Twitter being mm. equally as bad. I don't follow the NBA, so I don't know, but I certainly know I can, I can empathize with what he's saying because if, uh, and the great thing about the, the internet is that you have thousands of people going, combing through these prospects. So guys like us don't necessarily have to, and it, and it certainly helps, but they get extremely angry when their guy isn't the guy that, that goes where they think he should go or someone who they think is the fifth round pick goes in the first round. Which brings me, excuse me, which brings me to, to uh, Terrell Edmonds, the Virginia Tech brother of Tremaine Edmonds, who went, went to the Bills. Terrell was uh, the lesser known of the brothers. He's a safety, um, by all accounts, a very good safety. Um, first round pick as far as the Steelers, as far as the Steelers were concerned, and they took him at 28. And um, I think he feels a huge need. They cut Mike Mitchell, your, your boy from Carolina, after four years, and they need help on the back end. But here's the thing, and they sort of did this in the fourth, uh, in the fifth round with their other fifth round pick with, um, Marcus Allen, uh, the, uh, safety out of Penn State. The plan is, it sounds like, is to sort of have a hybrid by committee approach to replace Ryan Shazier, because you're not replacing Ryan Shazier with one person. So they're going to have three or four guys sort of shelling in sort of the 6-1, 220-ish range who can sort of do everything from linebacker all the way back to safety. And just rotate these guys, and I, I sort of have no problem with it. And that's, it seems to be where the NFL is going anyway. They also got uh, James Washington, who I like a lot as a wide receiver, to replace uh, Martavis. We talked about that last night. Uh, Mason Rudolph, if he turns out to be good, that's fine. He's not going to play for two years, so I don't know if that matters. But uh, I think they addressed the needs they they they, um, they had sought out to address, uh, other than specifically getting a linebacker. They wanted Rashawn Evans. They were going to take him. Uh, the Titans said, um, no, thank you. We will do that. And so they had to move on. Uh, I, I apologize to angry draft Twitter, but um, for the most part, I like it. I think Terrell Evans is going to be really good. And Justin Reed, uh, a, a player out of Stanford that a lot of people liked in, uh, as a late first-rounder, ended up going to the third round to, to the Houston. Perhaps will be awesome, but he wasn't a first-round pick in the eyes of the NFL. You see a hey, lot- let me ask, let me ask a question real quick since you just talked about the Steelers' entire draft. Mason Rudolph, 
over under three and a half years that he's the Steelers starting quarterback, or does he even start at all? Three and a half is you, you're, you should work in Vegas because that's perfect. I, I, I don't think Ben will play three years just because be yeah, you've seen how that guy looks. I mean, he's two hamburgers away from, from a wheelchair. Uh, I think he plays two <laughs> years and, and that's good and you move on. It's funny, you know, um, I'm a, I don't want to sort of spoil the future, but, um, Joe Flacco was at this draft day event uh, on Saturday and he did not want to talk about Lamar, Lamar Jackson. I wonder how Ben's going to react when he's inevitably asked about Mason Rudolph. Uh, maybe he has more confidence than Joe Flacco does in his job security, but I think two years is it for Ben. And then it'll be, <laughs> I'm laughing because it'll be the Landry Jones versus uh, Mason Rudolph show. Sounds like a blast. Uh, another quarterback who might get asked about a rookie quarterback. Sam Bradford could get some questions, couldn't he, John Breach? And I believe that you have the Arizona Cardinals as a winner. I do. I loved what the Cardinals did. I know we have been crushing certain teams in the NFC West, <clears throat> the Seahawks, about possibly being the worst team. And this kind of pushes that even more because I kind of love the Cardinals' entire draft. I know the other night we talked a little bit about how they got jo- – Josh Rosen fell in their lap. I mean, that's just crazy that – you had a guy who certainly looked like he was going to go in the top five. Boom, he's 10. You move up. You grab him. You have your quarterback of the future. If I'm the Cardinals, I, I don't even want Sam Bradford or Mike Glennon on the field this year because if you give Sam Bradford all those training camp reps, he goes and gets injured in week one. Then you're throwing your rookie out there into the fire. Didn't get the reps he needed. It's going to get ugly. Uh, same thing with Mike Glennon. We've seen what he can do. It's not much. So I just give the ball to Josh Rosen and give him the job. And then you have, you know, they need a wide receiver. They've got these aging guys. Larry Fitzgerald can't play forever, even though I think him and Tom Brady are kind of stealing the same baby blood that you know, they just keep playing. They always look healthy. Uh, they, they don't age. But, you know, Larry Fitzgerald probably one, maybe two years at the most. So I love the Christian Kirk pick in the second round. Uh, you know, and then they needed a defensive back. They grabbed one in the sixth round. And, uh, you know, they just, they, they filled holes that need to be filled. And so I did love what the Cardinals did. I would agree with you. The Cardinals were one of my top winners. I, I thought that Arizona, I mean, look, when you come out of this with a franchise quarterback and you don't have to space down the proposition of losing a future first round pick, I mean, that's massive. Look at what happened to the Texans. Every, nobody's worried about the Texans not getting any draft, draft picks. Their first pick was Justin Reed in the third round because they gave up a second round pick to dump Brock Osweiler. They gave up a first round pick to get Deshaun Watson, but nobody's talking about it because they got Watson. Well, the Cardinals are in an even better position because there's no chance they'll be without a first round pick next year. They have Josh Rosen. They got him for a third round pick. They still made a selection in all but one round, and that was the fifth round, and they came out of it. You mentioned Chase Edmonds, a running back that can make an impact. And then I think there's just they put talent around uh, Josh Rosen, and if Chris Campbell turns out to be a good cornerback and can play opposite Patrick Peterson, this is a team that's a little bit better than people give it credit. I, I do worry um, that the offensive line is is kind of a problem for Arizona. I don't. I think they have some issues there, but certainly they could be competitive as sort of a dark horse in the NFC West, a dark horse in the NFC East, and a big winner for me in this draft. Despite what I said after the first night, and I mentioned it last night, the New York Football Giants, they. Dave Gettleman destroyed this draft. Okay, he destroyed this draft. I disagree, but go ahead. All right, that's fine. That's, <laughs> that's, that's that's what you're allowed to. You may have the rebuttal once I'm done with it. Saquon Barkley with number two overall. 
I would have gone in a different direction. I would have gone Bradley Chubb, or I would have gone uh, with Sam Darnold. Wait a wait a second. Uh, Dave Gettleman crushed the draft. His first pick, second overall. I wouldn't have done that. Well, continue. I wouldn't have gone with the running back. I would have gone with the positional value elsewhere. But Saquon Barkley's probably going to make the Pro Bowl next year. He's probably going to run for like twelve hundred yards. He could lead. The, he's going to have at least twelve hundred scrimmage yards next year. I would be willing to bet like on Alvin that. Like Alvin Kamara. But this is the, the point is, they got the player, he's gonna be friggin' good, then they add Will Hernandez, who lines up perfectly, you plug him in, in next to, next, next to, <laughs> next to Nate Solder, you protect Eli Manning, you open up holes for Saquon Barkley, you come back in the third round, and you grab Lorenzo Carter, who's a speed rusher, who can be that, you know, you know, you I would rather have Bradley Chubb and, and the running back you get in the third, but I don't mind the Barkley-Carter combo. B.J. Hill is going to do some damage for them. He can actually rush the passer from the defensive tackle position, which is something that Damon Harrison um, doesn't necessarily do. And then Kyle Loretta, the 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 you know Project Richmond quarterback that, that, look, if he pans out and he becomes Eli Manning's successor, Dave Gettleman's going to be walking around doing like a big old giant pants axe chop um, I don't know why I'm obsessed with Dave <laughs> Gettleman's big pants, but he, he, he has huge pants. And, and I just think that I think he did a really good job. And then you add on the gravy, uh, RJ McIntosh, defensive tackle for Miami in the fifth round. They got, they got their, their guy in Barkley that they wanted, that they targeted all along. And then they added a bunch of hog mollies and they threw a flyer at a quarterback who could potentially be good. This is where you jump in and tell me I'm wrong, Ryan. Uh, let me ask you this. So three and thirteen, they'll be better than that, I think. And I don't think they'll be the worst team in the division. Um, that's as far as I'm willing to go. I feel like the Eagles, obviously number one. I think the Redskins. I think they're going to be good with Alex Smith. I like the Darius Guys pick. But how many suck. games are the Giants going to win? Giants will win eight games. Okay. I. I, I mean, that's fine. I, I don't. I just don't <laughs> love it. I just don't love it. I, I feel like they taking the quarterback, and you know, the whole thing we've laid out before. Take a quarterback. Get rid of Eli Manning after next year. Um, do the uh, the sort of Rams slash Eagles strategy of building a roster and go from there. It, sometimes I people. sometimes I think that Brinson's entire way of gauging whether a team did well or not in the draft is if they drafted an NC State player. Correct. That is correct. And of and of course the Giants grabbed one. <clears throat> if they, so if they, I, if Brinson's they, on the Giants bandwagon now. If they'd gone if they'd gone with a uh, yeah like my big winners of this draft were the 49ers, the Chargers, the Giants, the Broncos. <laughs> Um, and, and of course the Colts are big winners. No, look, if, if they, even if, if they go in a different direction and a different defensive tackle in that third round, I still would really like the draft. I, I, I think that Dave Gettleman, he, if, if things had gone south and they hadn't made good picks after the Saquon Barkley pick, I'd be crushing them for it because you can't just come out with a running back and then not be able to build a plan around it. But I think that's a team, it's a team that can win more games that they're being credit for. I would say right now they're the second best team in that division behind the Eagles. And if Carson Wentz isn't healthy to start the season, the Giants can fool around and win the division. Do we all agree that the Cowboys are the worst team in that division? Cowboys suck. I love the Redskins with Alex Smith, so I'm not just going to accept that the Giants are the second best team, but I will go and agree with the Cowboys being the worst team. Mm, Consensus that the Cowboys suck. That always works out well. How about another winner, Ryan Wilson? My team, your team, John's team. Cleveland Browns, baby. Uh, this is sort of stealing your thunder, Brinson, because every year around this time you start uh, <laughs> you start leg humping the Browns. <laughs> uh, but I really do like what they've done, not only in the draft, but this offseason. Um, I don't know if it's complete, completely John Dorsey. I suspect he has a lot to do with it. I think his orders were when he came in in December and replaced Sasha Brown was to please guy drafts quarterback, so he did that. 
I don't know how long this relationship is going to work with him and Hugh Jackson. It sounds like it's already strained. Jackson's relationship with the previous administration, uh, front office, uh, bunch of guys would appear to be strained. Uh, I think when you get one in 31, it's fair to say that things aren't going well, uh, at, at work. But Baker Mayfield, I love, I love Baker Mayfield. He's not Johnny football. Uh, he's completely different. And whether he has success, we'll see. But I think he's in a much better situation than literally every other quarterback that's come before him because they have a much better team around him. Um, so I like that. I, I like Denzel Ward. I was fine. I, I wanted Bradley Chubb there like everyone else did. But I'm fine with them taking Denzel Ward if they thought they need to uh, bolster their secondary. And that was more important than giving uh, Miles Garrett uh, a running mate along the front line. I think they'd like some of the, uh, the other younger guys they have on the defensive line. Good with that. They did get a Chubb, and they got Nick Chubb, who's who's also very good. There's some conversation. They may try to try to move Duke Johnson, but they did sign. Uh, they acquired Carlos Hyde, so their running game is, is looking good. Chad Thomas is a U guy. Our buddy Jared Dubin at CBS was all over that. Antonio Callaway, Breach wrote about him earlier on Saturday. Um, a lot of trouble, uh, quote-unquote, first-round talent. Um, we hear a lot about first-round talents that invariably end up being terrible, but maybe he's the exception. But they got him for cheap in the fourth round, so – all the other things they've done uh, this off season um, with uh, who they get, who's the wide receiver from from Miami, um, Jarvis. Jarvis Landry. So they got Jarvis Landry. Josh Gordon's back. Uh, they signed uh, offensive lineman Chris Hubbard from the Steelers. Uh, they got some guys on defense that they signed. They got Jabril Peppers, the first round pick from last year. Uh, uh, Demarius Randall, the safety from from Green Bay. So they have the list goes on, and and I think finally this is a year it comes together. And let me ask you this breach. Who's gonna who's gonna win more games this year, the Giants or, or the Browns? Uh, you know what? This whole time you're describing everything, all I can think in my head is that the Browns are stacked. And they are. It, it's like I, I can't even believe I'm thinking that because this is a team, as you just said, that went 131 over the past two years. And somebody who follows the Bengals closely, like me, I always feel like the Bengals are the second best team in the division. That's how I felt for probably the past. 15 years, probably since 2005. The Steelers are always a little bit better. And now I don't even know that. I can't even say that for certain now because the Browns, they just look loaded. I mean, I love their draft. This is an amazing draft. And the Browns easily, maybe double the amount of wins the Giants get. What? They're going to win 16 games, Brinson? You know what? You want to put Breach's theory to test? Hey, wait. Has anyone ever gone from 0-16 to 16-0? The uh, 2018 Cleveland Browns have, John. Uh, you want to put John's theory to test about who I like? Like, I would, if the Browns are taking Bradley Chubb at four, I would be <laughs> slobbing them so hard yeah. right now. Okay. And, and, and by the way, while, while you mentioned it, I looked back, 2014 NFL draft, Colin. Browns top round one winners and losers. Bye. Who wrote that? You'll never guess. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did the same thing last year with the Browns draft. Um, yeah, last year you were all over them. For sure. I mean, it, you know, look, they did. They, they, they went and got the quarterback and they're, but look, the Browns went and got this electric Big 12 quarterback that, that is a, that people have divisive opinions on. And then they immediately got the consensus top cornerback in the draft. How could they not be winners? Oh, wait, I'm looking at the 2014 draft. That's what happened when they got Johnny Manziel. Oh, I guess he was SEC and, uh, Justin Gilbert. I look, I still like what the Browns did. I think, I think it's really interesting with the Browns because these are all Sashi Brown picks, right? I mean, John Dorsey traded a bunch of them away, but all the picks that were acquired were acquired by the previous analytical regime. And the the thing that well, they acquired the picks; they didn't take the players. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I think it's interesting. I think it would be an interesting model for someone to focus on, where because like 
if you let John Dorsey take the players and let Sashi get the picks and you blend that, then you can come away with a really good situation where you get a lot of good picks and a lot of good players. Now, you got to go through 0 and 16 and you got to miss on, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz in back to back years, which is kind of a kick in the balls. But, but, you know, it feels. What do you, um, what if you're Hugh Jackson though? How's he feeling right now? That, like he's got four games to win three. I mean, he needs 16 and 0 in a bad way. He needs, you know, it's, Go ahead. No, go ahead. Now, he, he does need 16-0 badly, but you know what the crazy thing to me about the Browns is that you look at the four quarterbacks that were taken in the top 10, and it's like Sam Darnold is the Jets starter. Josh McCown, you know, he's a bridge quarterback. Josh Allen is the best quarterback on the Bills roster. A.J. McCarron probably isn't going to start there. And I was saying earlier, you just give the job to Josh Rosen. It doesn't matter. But it feels like the Browns are in a little bit different situation because I think you could let Tyrod Taylor start this season. And then what if he goes eight and eight, nine and seven, or 10 and six? Like, what do you do if you're the Browns and Tyrod Taylor is really, really, really good? I mean, he took a bad Bills team to the playoffs. Yeah, are the Browns going eight and eight with Tyrod though? I feel like that's, that's the best case scenario. Well, I'm saying if they do, you know, are you handing the job to Baker Mayfield in two years? What's your window for uh, pulling Tyrod and getting Baker in there? I'll put it this way. Baker Mayfield will play before Mason Rudolph will. <laughs> I would hope so. I think, I think with Baker, Baker's a little bit older and you kind of, the difference between going with Baker and versus going with Josh Allen is with Josh Allen, you, you know, everybody sort of talked themselves into, all right, this is a red shirt year. Let's see what Tyrod can do. Let's be stable with Baker. I think it's going to be closer to like Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn, where if he plays well at all, people are going to try and talk themselves into going with, with Baker Mayfield out of the gate. That could be a little dangerous, but the, the Browns have the upside of being the number two seed, the number two team in the AFC North and a wild card team in the AFC. John, who's another one of your winners? Uh, another winner for me is the Packers. And here's what I love about the Packers is that they took a punter. I love any team that will take a punter because not enough punters get drafted. Uh, so I, I will never fault a team for taking a punter. I love that pick, but the picks I loved even more than that was that, you know, we talked a little bit about Jare Alexander and then they get Josh Jackson in the second round who could have been a first round pick. And, you know, you look at the Packers had some secondary trouble and you boom, you fill two holes with two guys who could be starters there for uh, eight to 10 years. If both these picks hit and, and, Instead of Aaron Rodgers being forced to carry the team, which it seems like that's all that's been going on there for the past eight years, his entire career, they're actually building a defense. <clears throat> and now I think the Packers are scary. And then you even look down, they added a lot of depth going through that draft. They added a couple receivers. If just one of those guys hit, uh, that's good. And then you know what? Just throw some whipped cream on top of that ice cream sundae. They drafted a long snapper. Not a great pick, but I love that. Uh, I think that guy was the only long snapper drafted, Hunter Bradley, in the entire draft. <laughs> Not a great pick, but he was the whipped cream. I love that. Uh, whipped cream. We saw Trey Wingo scarf some whipped cream to the face during the draft. I think he was doing a whip it at the end. Uh, gonna keep my, gonna keep my train rolling and give a winner award to the Denver Broncos, who sat there at five and got Bradley Chubb, the best player in the draft. I like them coming out of that first night. Even if he wasn't an NC State guy, I would say that. I, look, that's a, that's a steal. And then, when you look at the contracts with Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, there's a really good chance that 2018, unless they're willing to take a pay cut after this season, is their last year in Denver. And so to go out and get Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, 
Um, Sutland in the second round, a big body wide receiver who can get down the field. Um, sort of Des Bryant-esque. It was surprising. To yeah, I was going to say, how do you feel about Sutton? He's supposed to be a first-round pick. I called it before the draft that he's going to fall in the first round. No one else in the world said that. But, um, I mean, is he going to be like a poor man's Des Bryant, poor man's Samaris Thomas? What's he going to be? Uh, I think well, – but that's the interesting. So, like, Deshaun Hamilton's a bigger-than-average slot receiver, sort of like Emmanuel Sanders, right? And then uh, Cortland Sutton, sort of a, a big-bodied guy, can be a possession receiver and moves the chains, but also stretch the field. So I, th- I think – they sort of set those guys up to, to be kind of replacements for Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. Uh, Josie Jewell, high upside or high motor guy, not a high upside guy who, you know, very high floor, but maybe a limited ceiling, get piles up a bunch of tackles, doesn't have great measurables and all of that. I, the only knock I would have on the Broncos is the same thing with the Cardinals. They didn't do a ton to address the offensive line. Sam Jones, their round six pick, the only guy that they did, uh, that they got to do that. But I think that defense for, uh, Denver, when you look at Chubb and Von Miller and, and Shane Ray up front, and then you have, uh, Todd Davis and Brandon Marshall at the linebacker position, um, and then of course you have Chris Harris and Bradley Roby locking it down at the no-fly zone. They have a potential to be really good again this year. I like the Broncos a lot more coming into 2018 than I did 2017. How about a loser, Wilson? I'm going to go with an individual who had a very tough weekend, and I sort of hinted at it earlier when I was you talking to Breach. To, you don't have to name yourself. It's <laughs> Every day is a loser day for me. But I was not in attendance at the uh, draft party in Baltimore uh, along with Joe Flacco, who sort of moonwalked into the place. Uh, you know, he agreed to do it weeks ago before he probably knew that the um, Ravens were going to trade themselves into position to take Lamar Jackson. And when he was asked about uh, the, the idea that they took Lamar Jackson, he said, I am not talking today. And I don't know if you guys were watching NFL Network, but Rich Eisen brought this up, and Mike Mayock flipped out. And he said uh, he should be allowed to say, I don't want to talk to people because, you know, he's enjoying his offseason. And part of me agrees with Mayock. I get it. But this is the NFL where, you know, it's 365, so it, every day's everything's a story. And I think this is sort of a story. Um, you know, Flacco's in his 30s. He's been terrible pretty much since he won the Super Bowl after the 2012 season. He got that huge deal. His salary cap hit is $26 million-ish. This year and next year, he's going to be out of a job um, in 12 months' time, if not sooner. And uh, by that, I mean the Ravens are going to cut him. He could be out of a job on the bench sooner than that. And wow. I think what? that – You think they're going to bench Joe Flacco next year? If he's terrible, why wouldn't you? He's always he, terrible. I, they never bench him. Well, I, I think at some point you have to make a move, and the move started with drafting Lamar Jackson, and, and then the move becomes, okay, let's see if Lamar Jackson can play. I'm not convinced he's going to have success only because every person that goes to Baltimore is terrible, but um, he certainly um, has more upside um, than, than Joe Flacco, and, and I think if Joe Flacco starts off short hopping passes, eight-yard passes, and they go four and four, who cares? Who gives a crap? I, I know there's some conversation about, well, you can still make the playoffs at four and four, but you can still miss the playoffs, too, and have a terrible quarterback in the process. So I, I think Flacco is sort of the loser here. They drafted Hayden Hurst in the first round, the um, the uh, Brandon Whedon of tight ends. He's 25 years old, but but um, <laughs> he's good. So he's the best tight end they have. They drafted another tight end out of Oklahoma a few rounds later. So they're you know those guys are the guys that Flacco has, has historically relied upon, the Dennis Pittas and the Todd Heaps. So they're sort of restocking those positions. But it, those guys might be catching passes from, from Lamar, Lamar Jackson sooner than, than later. And I wouldn't be surprised if the, uh, I was gonna say I wouldn't be surprised if Flacco's bench before um, Tyra Taylor. That would surprise me. But I I don't. If he's like sitting on the bench in December, that would not surprise me. The, the thing about Flacco that's interesting. I looked at this. 
if the Ravens made him, if the Ravens cut him this year, huge, huge dead cap hit. No, no, no. If they, if they designate, if he's cut after June one or he's designated a post June one, there's, there's only a twelve million dollar cap hit. Now there's a That's huge a lot of money. If they cut him pre June one, that's what Blake Bortles makes. Well, they, they can't cut him. They don't, they, 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 they don't save any money. No, no, no. I'm sorry. If they cut him, there's 12, there's a 12.75 million dollar cap hit, but it's only 8 million the next two, or in dead cap space. Right. Okay. It's only 8 million dollars the next two years. If they cut him next offseason, it's a 16 million dollar dead cap hold in 2019 and 8 million in 2020. I mean, Lock and Ford pointed out on, uh, on HQ that he will, there was no chance that Flacco would be on the roster, uh, in, um, in 2019, they can just save they can save 18 million dollars if he's post June one or uh, and if, that they just, if they just cut him out right. Joe Flacco's a loser. Yeah, no, and, no, no I totally agree. And one more thing on Flacco, the thing you were talking about him being at this event today, like you're Joe Flacco, you're going to a draft event one day after your team drafted a quarterback. <laughs> Why would you think you're not going to be asked about that? It'd be like Brenton telling me to come on this podcast and then me getting mad because he's asking me about football. You know, like. What do you expect at a draft event? Wait, so, but he went to it. He went to it on Saturday. Why don't you say I'm not going to that, and then don't go to it? Like, well, you know, I'm or you say I'm only going to talk about Hayden Hurst. <laughs> nah, look, I mean, Flacco's got to be a little miffed, but then he's got to look at himself in the mirror and say, I've never led the league in anything meaningful, and uh, it's <laughs> like, being terrible. Yeah, I've never, never led the league in anything. John, how about a loser for you? You know, I love that Ryan used Joe Flacco because my biggest loser is also a quarterback, and his name is Russell Wilson. Now, can you just imagine Russell Wilson? I know Ryan thinks he's a robot, but we know he has emotion. And so imagine him sitting in his house watching the draft and thinking, hey, you know what, maybe we'll grab an offensive lineman with our first-round pick. (laughs) No, they take a running back. And then he's like, that's okay. We've got a few more picks. Even though we don't have one in the second round, we'll probably take an offensive lineman with our third round pick. No, they take a defensive end. Eventually you get to the fifth round and you're thinking, hey, we have four picks. We'll definitely take an offensive lineman. We won't trade up and get a punter before we take an offensive lineman. And they don't take an offensive lineman. I mean, they obviously eventually did, but not until their last pick of the fifth round. And I don't know how they're going to protect Russell Wilson. They took a running back. They took a punter. They took everything. They didn't. They took a quarterback. And Russell Wilson was probably just ready to quit the team at that point. So I feel sorry for that guy. He doesn't have any protection. It's going to be another season of him running for his life. Uh, and, and, you know, that works sometimes. The Seahawks have had winning records with him. Uh, he survived last year with no offensive line. But, man, if there is one guy I feel sorry for after this draft. It is Russell F. Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask, are they the worst team in the division? Because I ask that every week. Oh, absolutely. Oh, look at that. Absolutely. One word answer. Absolutely. Speaking of the worst team in the division, I'll give you another quarterback loser, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the Cowboys, is now in a situation where, and now he got lucky. His team drafted one more tackle than the, than the Seahawks did. They drafted Connor Williams, who's from Texas, wore Dallas colors, choked up when he got drafted by Dallas. That's really cool and all. Uh, spoiler guys, the, the Cowboys don't need offensive line help. You know what they need help on? They need help at receiver. They're, they drafted Michael Gallup in the third round and that's great, but they traded away Ryan Switzer and traded for Tavon Austin, who they're going to use as a running back. And now their wide receiver group is, starts with Alan Hearns, 
Then you have Terrence Williams. Then you have Cole Beasley. Then you have Gallup, Deontay Thompson, Noah Brown, Lance Lenore, KD Cannon. That wide receiver group sucks. I mean, it sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, and like the whole concept behind this idea, they're like, we're going to make this offense more Dak friendly. Over the weekend, he lost Jason Witten to retirement. Witten's going to go to, uh, to, to work for ESPN on Monday Night ESPN. Football. And good for him. It's a great gig. He's going to get paid handsomely and he's not going to get, uh, you know, he's not going to be having to bail out Dak on third down anymore. And, um, they have Rico Gathers, which is cool and Jeff Swain and Blake Jarwin. Dak is screwed. They don't, I mean, like if Zeke Elliott and that offensive line don't get the rushing game going, Dak is in trouble and the offense isn't going to be more Dak friendly. It's going to be blame Dak. Hey, it's going to be the Jaguars, except without the defense. The Jaguars. Yeah, that's the, that's the, yeah, Jaguars. Jaguars. Number two, that, that's exactly right. Let me ask you this, Brinson. So I feel like the Cowboys, they're facing like four win territory. I feel like, um, they have a quarterback on his rookie deal, a fourth round pick. He's not, he's making, $25,000 a year, basically. 700000 Relatively it's, speaking, in terms of NFL. Um, they're not doing what the Eagles are doing. They're not doing what the Rams are doing. They're going to only get worse. I don't know how they're going to get better and fix this. because they, they either have to pay Dak soon, uh, coax Tony Rumble out of retirement in a couple of years, or then they're going to have to find a quarterback. And, and knowing Jerry Jones, he's going to want to pay someone a lot of money um, or do some crazy things in the draft to move up. I, I just think they're just going to throw a bunch of cash at Dak and hope they get better at some point. And then... But they're, they're paying $18 million this year to, to Tony Romo and Des Bryant. They're not going to be on the team. And I, I, I need to see what – I'm not sure what Jason Witten's cap it is, but I'm, I'm assuming he's not going to be free if he retires either. So that's a bad spot for them. What about uh, what about Wilson? You got another loser? Sure do. Uh, I've talked about it every every night uh, I've been on the podcast during the draft, and I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, bowl cut Gruden and the Oakland Raiders are going to be terrible. I don't like their draft at all. They got Colton Miller. I talked about this last night. <laughs> Some people liked him, some people didn't. There, so they're mixed opinions. But I think we can all agree that no one thought Colton Miller was going to the Raiders in the middle of the first round. Everyone thought, with their 29th ranked defense, according to our buddies at the Football Outsiders, that they would take someone like Tremaine Edmonds or, or Roquan Smith. Had he been there, or any other uh, of a number of playmaking defensive players, and they took an offensive lineman. I get part of the reasons why to, to help um, Derek Carr, but um, I just don't understand. What they were, what they're doing. Um, they took PJ Hall out of Sam Houston State in the second round, defensive tackle, so defensive help there. Got another offensive lineman in the third round, Arden Key, who has some some, some off-field issues in round three, and um, Nick Nelson, the guy who was injured during his pro day out of Wisconsin, the cornerback in round four. And I think the only thing that two things saved their saved their draft. They traded for for Martavis Bryant, but they gave up too much in the third round pick. But he's a playmaker if he has his head on straight. <clears throat> and they drafted a punter. They drafted a punter. Uh, unfortunately, the, the the worst punter out of Florida. Uh, let me mention that because uh, our coworker Adam Silverstein is a huge Florida guy. But so the uh, Martavis Bryant thing makes mm. some sense because he'll be with Amari Cooper, and Jordy Nelson. So so that's that's the upside. But also, I love the uh, Maurice Hurst draft pick uh, in, in round five. He was a probably a top ten talent, one of the ten best players in the draft. He had heart condition, so we have to see how that works. If he's healthy, that's a huge get. But if he's not, you know, it, it, it just doesn't work out. And it feels like with all the other sort of offseason comings and goings, Jordy Nelson's old, uh, Doug Martin's old, John Gruden seems dead set on running the ball a lot in an era where running the ball only guarantees you losses. I don't know what he's doing. I've never seen a coach come out of retirement after 10 or 12 years and have success. Joe Gibbs sort of, but not really. I think that team should have been better with their, when he was with the Redskins. So I think they're losers based on what they did in the draft. And I, I'll say it every day until they win game seven. I don't think they're going to win more than six games. 
Johnny B, what you got? Uh, well, let me say my biggest loser of the draft was the parrot. I mean, <laughs> fair. I, the parrot made me so angry. And did you even think a parrot could make you that angry? No. I mean, I had, I had the same reaction. My, uh, my cousin Nan, uh, sent me an email during the draft. She was like, you've been, your tweet was quoted in the Tampa Bay Times. It was like the tweet where I was like all caps. I was like, the parrot just sat there. He didn't even say anything. I'm more <laughs> angrier than Mayock. I was like, all right, cool. I guess that's. Really yeah, that was, that was a little misleading. I was definitely disappointed. I almost turned off the draft at that point, but I didn't. I kept it on. I fought through the emotional distress of the parrot. And here's the thing. I, this is not necessarily a loser, a draft loser, more of a draft audio. I was kind of perplexed by the draft, and that is the Patriots. Uh, you look at what they did. I love their first-round picks. That's fine. But then after that, it just feels like Bill Belichick lost interest in the draft <laughs> and told his front office, guys, let's just trade some stuff and do some things. And we don't even ever have to take a player. I don't care, but we have to do something because we're on the clock. Uh, you look at the Patriots did. I think they made eight trades, which is almost as many people as they drafted. They drafted nine players, eight trades. And, and by trading everything away, they dumped down to the bottom of the draft. Five of their nine picks were in the sixth and seventh round. And so it kind of feels like, Hey, we're just going to bring these guys in cheaply and hope one of them makes the roster. But I don't really care because I'm happy with my first round. Uh, so just a perplexing draft from the Patriots, but I don't want to call them losers because I'm not going to question Belichick because he's knows four trillion times more about football than I do. Good job. Not flinching when my entire family walked in here, John and started waving you. Did you guys even see him? Did you guys notice? Do you guys care? I didn't notice. I flinched. It's Mr. John and Mr. Ryan. Can you say hi to Mr. John and Mr. Ryan? Yeah. Robbie's here and wants to do his telephone. You're going to do his telephone for 10 minutes. Go use it. Um, we're going to get negative iTunes reviews of that one as well. Look, I think the thing with Belichick, he did get Braxton Berrios, so he's fulfilled his uh, tiny white wide receiver, former captain uh, quota for the draft, and that's good. Duke Dawson. too. Yeah. Yeah, they got a quarterback, Danny Etling. But I, the biggest thing – that I talked about last night is that they, that they let him, um, that they, that they just like created a giant distraction when it came to the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. And nobody knows what the hell they traded Jimmy Garoppolo for. And we won't know for a while. Also, if you look at their draft capital for next year, it's crazy. They've got a ton of picks next year. And I think that you didn't say all this earlier, did you? While I was dealing with my family. I hope not. Um, they got a You're ton literally of- saying what he said verbatim. Okay, cool. Um, they have, they have, a ton, they have a ton of draft capital and I think they're set up. Bill, 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 Bill Belichick's not retiring. Um, my, uh, I've been. Wait, and no, real quick on that is that I, they absolutely they picked up several 2019 draft picks in this draft. And so next year, when you ask me winners or losers, I'm going to say Belichick's a double winner and I'll switch this to a winner next year when I see what they do in the 2019 draft. This, I don't, I don't understand why my son thinks it's fine to just jump into the podcast with all this. Terrible parenting. I say it every night. Five stars. I got a three star because this guy was complaining. I was talking about my dog and beer and my son too much. Like <laughs> I must not have kids. Yeah, yeah. Also, like, welcome to this podcast, pal. Um, who was my my other loser? And I I had it and I lost track of it. And uh, oh, I know who it is. It's the New Orleans Saints. Cause, Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I don't look. I I think Marcus Davenport has a ton of upside and could be an impact player next year especially when you put him around Sheldon Rankins and Cameron Jordan and the rest of that defense that was very good in the draft last year. But it kind of felt like Sean Payton got – like 
I think we sleep on the fact that Sean, like Sean Payton put together a historical draft class in 2017 with Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek and Alvin Kamara and Marcus Williams. But he sort of did it by accident. Like he wanted to take Patrick Mahomes instead of Marshawn Lattimore and the Chiefs traded up and got Mahomes for him. He wanted to take Reuben Foster instead of Ryan Ramchick and the 49ers jumped him. And so he, he, you know, he, he stuck to his guns and he stayed on his board and he came away with great players. And here it felt like the trade up to get, uh, Marcus Davenport cost him a future first round pick, which I always think is really dangerous. And they didn't have a second round pick and I'm, I forgetting why they didn't have a second round pick now, which is kind of embarrassing, but I just, I don't know why they didn't have a second round pick. They had a wide receiver, Traquan Smith, um, in the third round, Rick Leonard, a, a tackle out of Florida State in the fourth. There's just like, I, they didn't have a lot of holes, so they didn't have a ton of stuff to fill. I just don't like the idea of this complete shove into the middle of the table with these chips by the Saints, assuming that they don't need that first round pick next year when it, you know, could ultimately. What if they, what if they win the Super Bowl though? That's the only, then, sort of mitigating factor. throw it in my face and call me a moron. Yeah, because, I mean, he said, or there was a report on NFL Network that had they stayed put at 27, they would have tried to take Lamar Jackson because he actually would have been there. Um, that wouldn't have enhanced their chances of winning the Super Bowl as much as a Marcus Davenport. So I get what they're doing. I agree totally about the first-round pick, giving that up in 2019. But they win the Super Bowl, and uh, Drew Brees sashays out the room. It's hard to complain about what they did this weekend, I think. But otherwise, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, no, no doubt. It's if they win the Super Bowl, it's it's fine, but that's hard to do. If they're also just one Drew Brees injury away from two and fourteen, so it was a little surprising they didn't draft a quarterback. You know, we we harped all week about how maybe the Patriots will draft a quarterback, but Drew Brees is almost forty. Is he forty? Thirty nine? Thirty eight? He's, he's, he's not forty. He's thirty nine. He's, he's way up there in age, and he does not use the TV twelve method. So I'm not convinced he's going to play past 40. <laughs> he lacks pliability uh, is what you're saying? Did, yeah, you need that pliability in your arm if you're going to keep throwing fastballs at his age. So, you know, it's surprising that they didn't draft a quarterback. And, uh, you know, you're putting all your eggs in a 39-year-old basket, and that seems a little risky. How can I not figure out what the Saints did with their second-round pick? How do we not know what they did with it? Did they trade it for somebody? I, I, I don't. After the first round, I tune out. That's what happens. All right. Uh, no, they didn't trade it during the draft. That's the thing. It just wasn't. It wasn't. Sean Payton said he didn't need it. That's how good they were going to be this year. <laughs> he said, "Look, I don't need this. I had." He punched Roger Goodell in the face, threw him off the stage, and said, "Listen, people." And then we moved on. Was then it, the parrot came out. It says no. Is it a? Did they get? Did they forfeit it? Did they do something illegal? No. I mean, did, they had multiple first round picks last year, right? They took Lattimore and uh, Ramchick. Yeah. So maybe maybe they gave it up. Oh, that's what it is. You didn't know that, Brit? Uh, Brits and everybody knew that. You jerks. Um, yeah. Even that's... the parrot knew that. <laughs> uh, no, 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 because they got the right ranching pick for Brandon Cooks. All right, I'll figure it out, and I'll anyway. We don't need to spend five minutes sitting here like a bunch of idiots. <laughs> um, so you use you use seven use ten percent of your time in silence, wondering what the Saints did with the second round pick. That's really good. That's good. Uh, that's good podcasting. All right, we're cleaned right through the 40 minute mark we need to get out of here people could subscribe via itunes um sister tune in google play however you do it thank you for the reviews and the ratings it really means a lot it helps us a ton we had a great draft weekend fly we got the the breach and the wilson bump flying up the itunes rankings anything uh that you guys overarching themes that you guys would like to shout out before we get out of here you can say yes you can say no doesn't matter to me 
I was glad that uh, two punters got selected in a row for the first time since 1999 as a draft tidbit that I think is important. I love punters as much as Brinton loves North Carolina State University. You know what? I just realized they gave up the second round pick when they traded up to get Alvin Kamara last year. That's what it was. They moved. Oh, up. thank goodness. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Mystery there solved. Thank I'm going to say that the Browns are going to win 10 games next year. There you go. Is that an actual prediction? No. Give me your prediction. How many, how many games do the Browns win? They'll win seven. One less than, uh, your, your Giants. <laughs> my Giants. God, not my Giants. I don't even want to like the Giants. I'm going to have to like them anyway. Uh, I will say the, the one last thing. Parting shot, if you will. Shaquem Griffin getting drafted by the Seahawks got a ton of play before the pick, during the pick, and after the pick. And I tend to think every, every single bit of it was completely, um, worthwhile and, and well worth it. I mean, the dude has one hand and he got drafted in the fourth round or fifth round. We got, dra- he got drafted in the NFL, fifth round, um, at the NFL draft by the Seahawks and he's going to get to fulfill his dream playing with his twin brother in Seattle. Good for Pete Carroll. Good for John Schneider. Easily the moment of the draft. And, uh, yes, John. And, and yeah, let me add to that real quick. If there was some talk, if you were watching the draft, that some people felt they were kind of parading him out. But as you're saying, it was a feel-good moment, and he was on board with all of this. He loved being out there. He loved uh, mingling with the fans, doing all the interviews. He didn't have to come back to the green room on day two or day three, but he wanted to. He was all about this. Uh, so I don't feel like this was an instance where he was paraded out. He was completely okay with everything. And, uh, yeah, as everything you just said, it was a fantastic moment. He and his brother were sitting there at 6, six o'clock p.m. Eastern time in Dallas up on a high riser doing an interview with Pete Prisco for CBS Sports HQ. They were, they were not being forced to do any media. They were, they were happy to do it. They were celebrating it and it was an awesome scene. The draft is over. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening on Sunday. We'll be back Monday, every Monday through Friday, uh, breaking down everything that comes out of the NFL draft and the offseason. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys soon. Peace out.